I wanted to start this podcast with a get well soon message for our guest, Dr. Sanj Banderi, who did such a brilliant job with our last group function on how to extirpate quickly and properly. Now, unfortunately, after we recorded that episode and after we recorded this one, Sanj felt uncutely unwell. It was actually scary hearing the news of uh, him being ill, but I'm getting some positive updates. And so we, the Petrusarate Producers Community, and then all dentists around the world, we wish Sanj a speedy recovery. We hope you get well soon. We're so glad you're okay and on the mend. And we just want to pass on these wishes to you. It's been quite clear on social media what a likable guy you are and how much we all want you to make a speedy recovery, mate. So wishing you all the best and get well soon from Team Protrusive. I bet this scenario sounds very familiar to you. Imagine you're on a course, you're having a great time. I personally love courses. I think you all know that. You're on your fifth coffee and everything's going great. And suddenly your pocket starts vibrating. You've got a call from the practice or a text message from your receptionist saying that, ah, Mrs. Smith, you know, the root canal that you saw yesterday, she's in absolute agony. And you curse because you think, wow, you know, that was a completely straightforward root canal procedure. The patient was asymptomatic before you even started. Why is this happening for me? Look, post-op pain after endodontics is an absolute bitch. It's one of the most annoying things ever. It actually puts me off doing root canal treatment because of the one in how many of a chance that post-op pain incidents can happen. And I'm going to discuss with Sanj Banderi, who did such a brilliant job in that GF016, where we talk about how to extirpate properly and efficiently. So if you haven't listened to that one, oh my goodness, you, you are in for a treat. Go back and listen to that one. But in this episode, we're focusing more on post-op pain. Like, how do you manage that kind of scenario? What do you say to the patient? How can you prevent this from even happening in the first place? You know, it's funny, I've actually had four root canals on my own self. Now, before you think, oh, Jazz, that's disgusting, you got caries, etc. No, it's actually trauma from orthodontics. Can you believe it? Orthodontics devitalize my lower four incisors. And uh, I've had all sorts of issues and root canals and fractures, etc., etc. And now have a resin bondage zirconia bridge, hence why I'm so passionate about those bridges. Anyway, uh, I experienced post-op pain myself. It was a nasty thing, there was lots of inflammation. Uh, and so I've been there and I totally empathize with my patients. Before we join, the main episode. I just wanted to say uh, yesterday I released new tickets to Finlay Sutton's masterclass. So Finlay Sutton, he travels all around the world. He was in USA last week. He goes to Scandinavia a lot. He teaches us everywhere. If you think removable prosthetics, you think Finlay Sutton. He's just a phenomenal educator and the best in the space when it comes to removable pros. Now he came on for episode 56, how to make chrome dentures easier. So check that one out if you haven't already either. But he's doing a live one day partial dentures masterclass on Saturday the 14th of January, that's 2023. So if you'd like to join us, go to protrusive.co.uk forward slash Finlay. That's F-I-N-L-A-Y. It's limited to just 12 delegates only. Uh, and it's a very rare chance to see him down south. You usually have to go to his practice uh, up north uh, uh, or you have to go abroad. So this is very rarely comes south. Uh, and so if you'd like to join us, including the dinner the night before, it'd be great to have you. So once again, the link is protrusive.co.uk forward slash Finlay. And there's also a payment plan to split your payment into three. If you need that. Anyway, let's join the main episode. I recently treated a gentleman. I talked about this gentleman on, on the podcast. Necrotic canine, very strange, severe bruxes. I think I suspect some airway issues. We're investigating that at the moment. Like to the extent that 50% uh, of his canine is, is just shot. The canine was dark in color. My dentist who I inherited his list has been putting, he's had a couple of bouts of antibiotic in the, in the past for this tooth. And he just felt he's too young. He's in you know, late 20s to have a, a root canal on a canine. He just couldn't figure out why it went necrotic, but it did. I tested everything. It was necrotic. I went inside this canine. It was necrotic. It was infected. So I confirmed that. And then I, I did a root filling. 
And my goodness, and I'd followed all the right protocols, hypochlorite, gutta perca, everything was, was, was done to a high standard, radiograph looked good, there was no extrusion of the GP or anything. But my goodness, was this chap in, in so much pain. And he ended up in A&E, they did some bloods on him, they didn't find any sepsis, but they found high inflammatory markers in his bloods, actually, uh, interesting enough. So that was my one really bad experience about four months ago. Uh, otherwise, I don't tend to get um, significant post-op pain, but I've been with dentists at conferences, Sanj. We've been at a conference on a course, and the dentist nips out at 11 a.m. because there was a root canal he did yesterday. The patient's now in agony after finishing the root canal. So what do we know in terms of a literature? Yeah, I'm <laughs> You're probably there lecturing and speaking. Your, your phone's probably vibrating saying, Mrs. Smith from yesterday. Um, what is behind that? What causes that? Okay, even in your expert hands, is it just bad luck? Or do, you, do we know what causes it? And then therefore, what steps can we take to minimize its occurrence? I think it's quite multifactorial. And some of it is, it, it is unpredictable. There are certain conditions that seem to predispose patients having what's called a flare-up. A flare-up, by definition, the endodontic definition of a flare-up is this is in between treatment or after treatment. If treatment's been performed and the patient gets acute pain that requires treatment, they have to attend. So that's the definition of a flare-up. There are a few things, I suppose you can break down to patient factors. So we're talking anxiety levels. We're talking about um, there are some certain genetic factors. Some patients are more predisposed to pain period uh, and definitely if there's a yes yes absolutely we, we know that from tmd chronic back yes, pain the study of pain yeah. itself is uh, we know that people are much more susceptible to pain than others yeah yeah so on those particular patients and also talk about their symptomology it's patient management if you pre-warn them it doesn't mean that it's not, they're not going to be out of pain, but they can handle it. It's when they're not expecting the pain. That's when it, it, the problems start and, the, you know, it just increases anxiety. level. So it's a bit of patient management. And those patients, you, you get a kind of a, a arm bells. These patients are a bit tricky. Or if you've seen patients before previous treatment, they've always taken, the tooth's taken ages to settle down. We've done root. So that's the first thing. In terms of the actual tooth itself, it's the inflammatory stage of the tooth. So pre-existing lesions, if there's an apical lesion, radiographic lesion, those teeth are more susceptible for, for post-operative or interoperative pain. Okay, So for me, so before the endodontic treatments, we always preload our patients with anti-inflammatories, not just emergencies, but routine root canals, and especially retreatments, and especially if there's a lesion already on the tooth. We know that they're more, more, more predisposed to flare up, so just preload them anyway uh, with anti-inflammatories or painkillers. And then during the procedure, you've got to do utmost to follow what we now call, as everyone knows, a crown down protocol. You do not want, in a necrotic case, the whole majority of the canal space is going to be infected. Often it's actually not. The apical tissues are actually not infected. Just because there's an apical lesion, that apical lesion, unless there's an abscess or separation, it's not infected. It's just the inflammatory process. We need to remember that mm-hmm. because the last thing you want to do is push bugs into the apical area or even worse through. And it can happen easily. I do, I'm sure mm-hmm. one of the, the main reason you get a flare up is because we've inadvertently pushed biofilm th- through. It happens sometimes. So we've just got to do our utmost mm-hmm. to go down, crown down. Uh, and so you, as you as you do that, the reason for that approach is you're flushing out bacteria progressively without um, with minimal risk of pushing it ahead of the instruments this is one reason going back to the emergency treatment you don't fish around the root canals because if the canal happens to be necrotic in that multi-rooted tooth two of them are flamed the other one you, and you shove bacteria further down you're going to inoculate areas which weren't actually infected so that's another reason not to fish around the root mm-hmm. canals going back to the emergency situation so this in this situation when it's necrotic and that canine you do your utmost just to work your way down now some endodontists traditional endodontists will say you should be dressing all those cases you don't do those in one visit 
that's another area just to mm-hmm. decrease the bacterial load because of the calcium hydroxide that's uh, the evidence suggests it's probably doesn't matter you can do those in one visit but there is the evidence for one visit uh, that sounds that reminds me actually that yeah, yeah I, I, I think we were coming to the same point here. I, I believe there was a systematic review comparing one visit to two visit and they found that they're both equally successful but you might get more flare-ups in, in yes. one visit is that what you're going to come to get more conservative pain yeah. hopefully yeah. not flare-ups be the patient they'll get more, more post-operative pain that is Post-op pain. Yeah, that's what I mean. Sorry. Yeah. Flare-ups is a different situation. There's also the patient factors in terms of their immune response. Everyone's different. We're dealing with immune responses, which are we can't control apart from maybe anti-inflammatories. And I think the body, this happens again, this happens in teeth have got lesions, apical lesions. There's an inflammatory process that's been going on for a long, long time. The patient's been asymptomatic. The body's kind of, in simple terms, the way I explain to the patients, the body's got used to having an infection in the tooth and it's reacting slowly. Sometimes when we go in, it may not be that we've pushed debris through, we've changed the balance, whether it's pressure, whether it's something else has changed and we just disrupt that. And it's a short-term reaction they're going to get. And again, I warn them, when there's a big, you know, radiolucent area, you think mm, these these are the cases they're going to kick off. It doesn't matter what, how well you do the endo, it's going to kick off. I pre-warn those patients. There's a chance this is going to kick off, okay? So it's patient management, and if it does kick off, then you can deal with that. But it's the fact that they know about it. They often won't bother contacting you. They'll say, I just took anti-inflammatories. You see them on the second visit, visit two visit, and think, well, it was mm-hmm. fine, it went settled down. So there are those situations you are... Now, now Sanj, you, you speak to your patients afterwards, you warn them big time, you document it, and you still have that, you know, you're teaching at a conference and your your phone is buzzing and you speak to Miss Smith from yesterday who had that root filling finally finished and then she's experiencing post-op pain. Now, the temptation, oh my goodness, the temptation is so much for, for her to come in and then to do something and usually that something is, here's some moxillin, 500 milligrams or something like that, and that temptation is there and I don't cave in and that time you end up in hospital and the hospital doctors gave him antibiotics. He got better eventually, okay, but do I honestly think it was due to antibiotics? I, I think he would have got better anyway due to inflammation is what because they found no microbials in his body. They found a high inflammatory yeah. marker in this inflammatory particular marker, instance. Yeah. How should we manage it? Is it okay just to say, look, don't worry, you'll be fine, give it time? Or is there a, ever a situation where antibiotics is, is justified? I think in antibiotic In post-op pain. Yeah, I mean, with the current guidelines in antibiotic microbial management, whether it's nice or whether it's the endodontic, European, whatever, I think... If, if you start getting systemic involvement, now it's again, you've got to be practical about this. If they've got fluctuations, if they've got, there's an abscess, like I say, it could be fluctuant swelling, it could be cellulitis kind of symptoms. You know, this is not just localized and apical periodontitis kicking off. There's definitely soft tissue involvement. Then I think in the short term, even a short course of, uh, of an antibiotic with anti inflammatories dosed up, I think that's justified. If there's no obvious signs of, of an abscess, cellulitis, spreading infection, then you know it's just high dose and painkillers with or without codeine. If it, you know if it's affecting mm-hmm. the sleep, something like dihydrocodeine, DF one one eight, something like that, just to get them through that pain and hopefully it'll calm down. Um, it is a tricky yeah. one though because it's it's nice. It, there's a theory about it's so it. tricky it, it, when you're in practice and you've got the patient there, but you shouldn't really throw them antibiotics. You, you've got to have a good justification for doing it. If there's a fluctuation swelling, incise it, freeze the area, incise it. If, it's, if you haven't finished the endo, open the tooth up. In terms of leaving an open drainage, 24 to 48 hours, you can leave an open drainage just to relieve the pressure, but you've got to go back and get them back in. 
Okay, get them back in. Try and get some drainage. It's, mm-hmm. it's back to surgical management. Now, in those scenarios, let's say uh, we we are in between visits, and let's say we've done our crown down protocol where we've got the canals as clean as we can, and we aim to obturate at the next visit, and it's in between that initial cleaning of the canals and actually obturating, the patient comes out with a flare-up in between those two visits. So you're not quite ready to obturate because you haven't got that diary time to obturate, but the patient's now sat there. If we were to go back into that tooth, let's remove our uh, cavit or, or calcinol and go back in, in this instance, would you recommend taking the file all the way to the apex or how would you manage that scenario? If you've got the working length, then yeah, just go go back in and kind of semi-reprep, just get the calcium hydroxide out. It may be the fact that you haven't got the dressing material all the way to length. Um, one thing actually worth mentioning between appointments, always dress the tooth, never leave it dry and empty. Never. Always put something in it and calcium hydroxide mm-hmm. is the thing to do. Um, the difficult thing is getting the calcium hydroxide in volume to length. If you only squirt at the top end of the canal, it's not going to have any effect apically. Uh, you don't get the benefit of the properties. you know. So open it up. The fact you open the system up, you relieve pressure because it's usually apical pressure that's causing the pain. Whether you get separation, it doesn't really matter. I think you're just opening up the pressure. Some endodontists would say you go, you've got your working length, go a little bit patent. You're not going to do any harm. If anything, you might release or relieve any microabscess that's down there and then wash out again with hypochrite, redress and close up. Uh, and then um, your, your uh, chemotherapeutics, your anti-inflammatories and things like that. Uh, painkillers and things like that after that. Well, this was a, a tough question compared to the emergency one because it's it's a scenario we hate, you know, as dentists and as endodontists as well. We hate this scenario of, of finishing an endo and then they have that uh, initial acute inflammatory reaction, what we believe, uh, and they just, you know, they just got to wait it out and eventually it will get better. We know that, okay? But it's that, that patient at the end of the chair who's suffering and we feel bad yeah. for it. I felt yeah. devastated, Sanj, when it happened to, yeah. to, to yeah. my patient, but I really do, in my hand of hearts, believe it wasn't my fault. Now, I do think perhaps I shouldn't have been uh, so heavy-handed, maybe. Uh, I was using rotary instruments for a canine and, and uh, maybe some extrusion of the debris, uh, dentinal debris could have happened, uh, exacerbating that inflammation. I put my hand up there. That could, that could have been it. But in those scenarios, I think the lesson is let's not be too hard on ourselves. Let's yeah. promote anti-inflammatories. Let's warn them that this could happen uh, and then they can and then self-manage and be expe- not, not expect it, but if it happens, they're not like completely in shock. Uh, mm-hmm. And then only if justified with swellings and cellulitis, consider antibiotics. And then I, I guess during the treatment, the crown down approach. Now, just for the, any students yeah. listening, the last thing I want to ask you is just describe, um, make a tangible uh, an example of a crown down approach for a molar incisor, a molar root canal, for example. Okay, I'm glad you asked this question because I think this is quite important from a technical point of view, but also from an antibacterial preventing a flare-up. Because I think the majority of flare-ups are due to um, stuff being pushed through the end, debris, infected material. I think that's the the most common reason why. So the protocol is, you found your orifices, this is when you've got time. Okay, so going back to the emergency dressing, so the golden rule is, just to recap the emergency dressing, unless you've got time to go down to full working length and confirm it, don't go into root canal space. Okay, that said, so your second appointment, you've got the time. You booked into the root canal, you find the orifices, and the only thing you're going to do now is you're going to confirm the orifice in what we call the endodontical scouting. You can use a, a 10 to 15 size file just to confirm that there is a patent canal there. And when I mean patent, I mean patent coronal, not the patency we're talking about at the end. Once your canal is there, then you go on to, most people are using rotary systems or reciprocating. I've got a slight reservation about reciprocating systems. They're not as efficient as removing debris. So if you prefer a a reciprocating system, wave one, reciproc, or whichever one, just be careful. You wash out more frequently, you clean the files more frequently because they get clogged up because of the nature of the the way the, the instruments work. 
With Rotary, you're going to use the system in, in its sequence. Okay. My rule is, and this is this this goes against a lot of what the manufacturers suggest. Once you found the orifice, they often say go down, get it working length, and then you go through the system. That goes against the principles of of disinfection because you you could shove coronal bacteria majority in necrotic teeth majority of bacteria is at the top end it's not actually the apex which i mentioned so the mm -hmm. last thing you want to do is shove biofilm further down so you've got to get rid of that so the coronal preparation in the mid third is really important before you worry about working length i do the majority of the preparation up to the estimated working length i knock off a, a quarter of that i'll do that blindly without an apex locator reading how do i know the estimated length i've got a decent pre-op radiograph and I'm knock off a quarter, I'm safe. I know I'm going to be well short. And I'll go through the whole preparation sequence to that point. So that all I've then got to do once I've prepared the canal to three quarters is confirm the working length. I know everything's clear because apically there's going to be no, virtually no biofilm or bacteria. And there's less chance of me pushing any rubbish through. And also because I've opened the system up, your working length determination is more predictable. It doesn't change because working length changes from the start of the preparation to the end. It gets shorter. So another mm -hmm. reason, if you work, do your working length at the beginning, by the time you've finished and flared at your prep, you're probably going through the apex if you keep that working length. This is just, just to do mm -hmm. with geometry in the curved canal. So I do the coronal um, three quarters prep without working, without worrying about the working length, and then I'll confirm the working length, and all it's doing is finishing off. And you know you've disinfected everything yeah. up to that point with less risk of um, pushing debris through. So I think that's really important, which goes slightly against what a lot of manufacturers and some endodontic teachers teach. And I've stuck by that. Uh, biologically, it, it makes so much uh, sense to me, I think, because uh, otherwise, in, in practice, it's like a race to the apex, which it shouldn't be. Yes. It should be it clearing, be. just like it you said, be. the coronal portions first to allow you to get better access to the apex. So it's very much... Uh, I listen to your lectures, Sanj. Listen, I listen to your lectures. Uh, <laughs> Sanj, listen, thank you so much for, for giving up uh, this afternoon to speak to me. We've made uh, two episodes out of this, basically, so called Group Functions, where we uh, answer one key pressing theme. So we talked about extirpations. So if yeah. you haven't listened to that, one go back and listen to that one it was it was brilliant and now we just covered post-op pain and flare-ups at the end you covered really beautifully just a good description of a crown down approach for young dentists and, and students to really consider and even just the oldies to have been oh you know what i should probably go back to doing that rather than going straight to the apex so uh sanj please tell us about um i know you teach at the moment with the with institutions but what kind of private courses do you do where do you do them is it all in manchester tell us more yeah, so at the moment I do, we do a, a good friend of mine, Amar uh, Al-Rani, was my postgrad student. He's now established in London. So we both run courses, two and four day courses in London and Manchester for convenience because I'm in Manchester and he comes up and I go down to London. So it's quite good, quite good fun. So we do four day courses and we're going to be doing a longer program next year. We've got plans for doing a longer, something like a diploma course next year. So I'm looking forward to that. And um, also do a, a, a microsurgical course. Um, we did our second one a few weeks ago and it's the only, it's a, a human cadaveric course. It's the only endodontic wow. cadaveric course that I'm aware of in Europe. Uh, and that's been going really well in Coventry, so West Midlands. We've got another one coming up in March. I think it's nearly fully booked. So that's quite good. And, and microsurgery is another little area of mine, pet subject of mine. So, uh, and a lot of end people limited with interest in endo or specialists don't come across good surgical training. So that's something I I think is really needs to be um, shared. And that, and that, that's... any website you can recommend for us to check out these uh, th these courses. 
Um, no, most of the things when I, once we've got days, we put the issues on social media and, and the usual dental forums and Insta and things like that. I'm a bit old fashioned like that. I'm getting into that all that sort of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, no, we 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 put posts out. We haven't got a website as such yet. So that's that's an ongoing thing. So I should be getting a new website for the practice, and all the courses will be there. But essentially, just keep a look out on social media. Uh, when you do, give it to me so I'll, I'll put it on the on the YouTube and on the podcast uh, in the summary because people want to know. You know, people people enjoy the the content. They think you know I I, I identify with this educator I like the way he thinks I like the way he or she speaks and so therefore I want to be able to connect people who, who want knowledge to a person who can, can help them uh, upskill so please do send me those links uh, when you can and it's no surprise that you work with uh, Amar Al-Hurani he, he came on uh, as a guest actually in the podcast some time ago and we talked about is single point obturation adequate is it okay for dentists to do and you know what he gave such a, a lovely just like you did a very real world very um, diplomatic very sympathetic to to the plight of the GDP so uh, hats off to both of you I love clinicians like this who don't send their ivy towels it has to be this way I hate dogmatic approaches and so Sanj and Amar if you're listening to this uh, thank you so much guys it's obviously great to have you as the endobods uh, on this podcast uh, um, uh, thank you so much Sanj thank you Jess. well there we have it guys the joys of post-op pain now covered by Dr. Sanj Banderi Sanj thanks so much for creating these two amazing episodes and thank you Patrice Ranti for listening all the way to the end now you've come this far why not answer a few questions to claim CPD for listening to this like think of all the different memberships that you have all the online memberships and you think when was the last time you logged in when was the last time you used it well you just listened to a podcast episode and you've learned something hopefully so why don't you actually test your knowledge get the CPD certificate and actually get some reflections as well so if you're on the app you can do that now as a premium member you get CPD certificates and whole load of exclusive content so if you haven't already do check it out otherwise i'll catch you same time same place bye for now